Today is May 10th, 2014, and this is episode 108. This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Cryptocurrency is a new field of study. Consult your local futurist, lawyer, and investment advisor before making any decisions whatsoever for yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin, a twice-weekly show about the ideas, people, and projects building the digital economy and the future of money. My name is Adam B. Levine, and today's show is about the people. In 2014, the mobile space is heating up. I sat down with Rasa, community manager at the Mycelium Wallet team, to talk their new local trader feature and what comes next. Then, Stephanie Murphy caught up with Neil and Jonathan of Altcoin Labs. They talk education and consultation, meetups, and Huntercoin. Later, on a rooftop in Toronto, I spoke with Michael Perklin about the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium, what it is, and how it works. And finally, we close today's show with Mark Edge of Free Talk Live. One of the earliest media personalities involved with Bitcoin, he and Stephanie explore the early days and how far we've come. But first, Farsha and Roya are founders of FilmAnnex.com, a blogging platform that pays participants in Bitcoin. Stephanie joins them now. Here talking with Farsha and Roya, and they are Bitcoin bloggers. <laughs> Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much for having us. We are at the Inside Bitcoins conference in New York, and I met Michael over there from Film Annex, and uh, he said that he's got a blogging platform, basically, where people can get paid to blog. And now you are both from Afghanistan, is that right? Yes. Yes. And so you uh, are blogging for the site, and you get paid in Bitcoin, so you can receive that Bitcoin payment anywhere in the world, right? Sure. Yeah. So Film Annex and its Women's Annex Foundation, it's an online film platform that people can come online, they can register in the platform, both Film Annex and Women's Annex, and they can upload their films, videos, and blogs. So the difference of our platform with others is that we pay for the users if they come online and they share their stories. But the other big difference is that we pay them in Bitcoin. So which is for Women's Annex that supports women in developing countries starting from Afghanistan and around the world it's a very big and huge step for women because, you know, in certain countries, there is a lot of difficulties for women to access banking systems. And the fee transactions is always like a headache for women. So Bitcoin is just the only currency that women can easily have a digital wallet and they can send and receive without any fee. And also, it's not only about the currency, but it's also about the technology side, which helps them to get more involved into technology, which we can tell digital literacy. So a digital currency for a digital literacy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been um, blogging on Film Annex and like, what's your experience been like? Actually, Roya and I, we are the co-founder and board member of Women's Annex Foundation. We also write blogs about our activities, but we, the main mission of us is to find women who can blog for us. So right now we have around 60,000 female users in Women's Annex platform, which 6,000 of them are from Afghanistan, which is a huge step for us. And uh, they are writing blogs about everything, the daily issues, about education, which is everything which is interested for them. So we... Uh, just measure their social media uh, connections with other people and then we rate the blogs and we pay them based on their activities. Mm. Yeah. So, Roya, if you tried to send money from the U.S. to Afghanistan, how would you even do that? That's going to be a problem, right? 
Yes, it was a problem before, but right now Bitcoins make my work easier. Yeah. So we can send it to the, our users in every place in Afghanistan. There is no need that they have to come to the bank or they have to come to a specific location. So they can receive their monies in their wallets. And now, um, as Farisha says, that we have six thousands of students, female students, that in Afghanistan, due to some problems like they don't ha- they don't have bank account or the family is not allowed them or they, their age is not, uh, I mean, they, uh, they they are not in certain age to get a bank account. And then there is lots of other security problems. So not right now, uh, we are using the bitcoins. And then a students uh, just started in February to get uh, to receive the bitcoins, and they are happy when they have a wallet and they can buy online and stuff. We are also talking with uh, some of the local shops that they can uh, exchange their bitcoins and buy stuffs in uh, in Afghanistan online. Actually. Wow! So it's there's starting to be a whole bitcoin economy. Yes, we are hope so. <laughs> yeah. So. If you're in Afghanistan, I mean, is, is it a benefit to be able to have control over your own money? Like, is there the potential if you're carrying cash around to get robbed or if you're picking it up from somewhere? Is that an issue? Yes, it is an issue always because um, um, not only for the woman, even for the man is a problem that if you have a cash and you take it uh, with yourself around. So the, that would be a problem, especially for the woman. If they have even have a money, then... If they wanted to save it, they have to go to the bank. If they don't have a bank account, the family will take their monies. So they cannot always save their monies. They have to pay. And if even they want to, to save for themselves, they can't. So they, I think that Bitcoin is a solution for them. And then they can save it. And no one knows that how much Bitcoins they have. Whenever they want, they can <laughs> right. change it to the cash. Yeah, exactly. So that could be a pretty revolutionary thing if women were able to keep control of their own money without their family taking it or exposure to risks when they're carrying around cash or whatever, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's why we are trying to push the concept of digital literacy by means of digital currency, which is a very huge step for women. It's also led them to financial independence, which which is like a women empowerment. We really want to be the women be a very strong part of the society that always they are going to be ignored. It's not always in developing countries. It's also in developed countries as well. So this is a common problem, but I mean in Afghanistan and certain countries is a little bit more big issue. But really we want to involve women more and let them to use the power of social and digital media with technology combined with education in the right way. So how would you find uh, bloggers? Is it a social media thing? Do, does it get shared and then people find out about the blog or find out through their friends? Well, um, through the, uh, our WomenX Foundation, we created the 11 IT centers for 11 schools. And right now we have 45,000 female students in our network. But we provide indirectly beneficiary and training for the 6,000 of, uh, 6, of the females that they learn how to work with the computers and uh, what's the technology, how, what's the benefit of the writing the blogs and how they can, how they can get uh, paid for that. So the, through this uh, network, uh, the students will register and then they start uh, to working in our centers and then they can invite their friends. So it's uh, slow so it can grow. We are not only have in Afghanistan, we also have some uh, uh, female students in uh, Pakistan and we are starting in Egypt as well. Mm. And what is the, how do you make money? Like how do you provide the bitcoins to pay the bloggers with? Uh, our revenue is based on online advertising. So... Uh, whenever 
you produce blogs and videos based on the content that other people share your blogs and also if you share other people's blog which is important uh, so you will get paid uh, by the measurement that we call it Basel score mm -hmm. which is our measurement which is uh, your social activity plus we pay you based on your activity okay so how much if somebody's living in Pakistan Afghanistan or Egypt how much can they make doing something like this It's uh, dependent to their works and activities. Some students uh, can get paid like $500. Some students only can uh, get 500, $500 to, uh, I mean, uh, $50 to $100. It's dependent to the, how much they are active. Uh, per, per blog post or no, per week? It's, per, it's uh, per revenue of per month. Oh, per month. Okay. Yes. So... But in, if you're in Afghanistan, that might go further than in New York City, right? Yes, I mean, this is, a, I mean, $100 is a lot of money for them. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they can do everything with them. Even the, some of the families, all of the revenue of, I mean, the parents that they're working outside is probably be $100, $120. And $100 only for one female, it's a lot of money, especially when they are students of schools. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, I want to talk about women in Bitcoin. Um, recently, we were just talking about this. Um, Farsha and I just filmed an interview about women in Bitcoin and sort of the, the media perception that there are no women involved in Bitcoin. Uh, what do you think about this as, as people who have a company that exists to bring women on board and pay them with Bitcoin? I think, uh, you know, it's not only... It's, I think it's like a typical thing for business or technology. It's as women's involvement. It's always less than men. But I think the important thing is that we have to make and build a very strong community. I think we believe in community building, which is not always the physical spaces or ge geographical places. I think online community building is very important. So that's why we try to let the women who have certain problems in specific countries Maybe the security problems, they cannot go out. We invite them to come online and support each other. So if I have a very good experience on Bitcoin, I definitely write a blog about it. That I have this wallet, I made this digital wallet, I really loved it, and I can send and receive money. So I love my friends to also have a benefit of that. So I will tell my friend, and my friend have another friend. So it's all about spreading the words. And of course, whenever we reward a person in Bitcoin, they will believe that definitely this currency will help them more. So step by step, this message will be spread around the community. So we believe that it's not only the discussion for men, but also for women that can empower them. Sam? If someone um, is a blogger on this platform and they get paid in Bitcoin and they're living in Afghanistan, like how... Do you provide support for them to use other types of Bitcoin wallets or teach them how to do transactions or do they just kind of figure that out by themselves? No, we provide training for them. And uh, we have a plan that for future that also we provide training how they can do mining. So right now they just uh, know how to get the monies and how they tra about the transaction and how to make the wallet. But in future we wanted to teach them how to do a startup to mining Bitcoins. Great. We always uh, try to update our users in Flumanix and Women's Annex platform. 
That's why we always, every day or every two other days, we write a blog about our certain changes that in the platform and everything about Bitcoin because we just shift to Bitcoin. So we are going to let the users. So we always update them about everything. And as Roya said, we are providing a certain trainings for girls in schools, how to make a digital wallet and for other users. So we always try to keep updating the users and give them the information so they feel free to uh, interact with us and we let them to put their comments or their ideas into blogs so we go through the questions and we try to reply them in blogs or video. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, anything else you want to add? Thank you very much. It was very nice meeting you here and we found a lot of interesting people here in Bitcoin conference and we are really looking forward to make a huge change in Afghanistan, not only for women, but for men also. And uh, yeah, looking for a award for a bright future for everyone around the world. Uh, thank you so much for everything. And uh, the websites where people can find out more? Yes, it's filmannex.com and womensannex.com. Okay, Farsha and Roya, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. sitting here this morning with Dimitri, known as Rasa Online. Uh, he's the community manager, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, community manager with Mycelium Wallet, which is an Android wallet that uh, has been my Android wallet of choice since Andreas Peterson first made me download it, I guess, about six months ago. And uh, and it's still the, the, the one on my phone. And th- I, there was a, an interesting new feature that I saw made it into the test version about a month ago, and I've been playing with it, and it's this thing called Local Trader. Can you kind of tell us uh, what this is all about? So the idea is that uh, as a new person, you download your first Bitcoin wallet, which we hope is Mycelium, and then you have a question, how do I get my first Bitcoins? Uh, Local Trader is designed to make that really easy, where once you launch the uh, Mycelium wallet, there's going to be a buy-sell Bitcoin button. Once you press it, it'll find all the people in your area who are uh, willing to sell you Bitcoin for cash. So in a sense, it's like local Bitcoins, but it's built directly into the wallet. Uh, so it's fully integrated with your Mycelium wallet. So how do I indicate that? So like if I if I want to sell Bitcoin, then that's so I, I like list an order of the price I want to sell, the area that I'm in. Yeah, it allows you as a seller account. For now, we only have standing seller and instant buyers. Uh, eventually, we'll have standing buyers as well. But um, you would create a sell order uh, using uh, the same system, the local trader, which lets you create as many sell orders as you want with different uh, tiers of fees. So, for example, you can set uh, different prices for different locations, depending on how difficult it is to get there, or different prices for uh, the amount of money that you're willing to trade for. Um, so, how does this process work? So, we want to make a trade. We're not in the same area. Show me what happens here. So... You would hit uh, the buy-sell Bitcoin. It'll use your GPS uh, on your phone to find all the people who are close to your area organized by the top 10. You would uh, go... It will list the... Uh, the sellers, uh, their ratings, any kind of extra info they want to have, and their prices. Choose any of the exchange services that we uh, track prices for, plus any kind of fee that they set up. And you can have uh, fees even be negative in case you want to like sell really quickly. Uh, once you hit buy on one of the sellers, it will open a chat window where you can 
talk to the seller to negotiate where you want to buy. And at the same time, it'll tell you exactly how many Bitcoins or how much cash you would trade and how much you would receive. So uh, if I don't have that many Bitcoin in my wallet, can I place a sell order for it? It, since it's all integrated, it would actually, if you don't have enough Bitcoin to cover your sell order, it will actually uh, make your sell order inactive mm -hmm. at the time. So you, when you see somebody selling, you will know absolutely for certain that they actually have the Bitcoins to sell. Okay, so then we go into a chat mm -hmm. and we are negotiating. Are we talking about price? Are we talking about location? What are we talking about? Uh, both. Until you, both of you uh, agree on uh, the location and the price, there's going to be a button there that says accept offer. So until you guys actually decide, you're free to talk it out. And if you don't want to trade, you just hit stop and it's not going to uh, affect you in any way. Once you guys do agree, you have to hit accept offer. And uh, the reason for that is so that there's going to be feedback that's built in based on whether you actually follow through with a trade and how fast you follow through with so it. So there's a reputational system built yeah. in, too. So if both of you actually accept the offer, if you renege on the offer, it's going to put a thing in your reputation mm. system. So then we've agreed, mm -hmm. we negotiate, we meet up in person, what happens? Once you meet up in person, you give cash to the seller, the seller will have a cash receive button. Once that happens, it'll automatically transfer money from one phone to the other without needing to swap uh, Bitcoin addresses. And it also has uh, a new feature we have called a transaction confidence graph. One of our servers is connected to uh, half the Bitcoin nodes. The other is connected to the other half the Bitcoin nodes. And it'll actually track the, the transaction as it's getting broadcast and transmitted through the whole network. And on top of that, we'll keep, be keeping track for things like double spends, uh, un unspent uh, inputs, and malleability, and other things, which will affect the transaction conf uh, confidence graph. Of, like, every, if for every unspent output, it'll half the confidence. So this is an audio show, so let's talk about this confidence graph for a second. Mm -hmm. Basically, in practice, what I've seen is that this looks like, this is basically a zero confirmation confirmation, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so so the idea here is, is that when the transaction is broadcast by the person selling the Bitcoin, you are tracking how far around the network it gets. And yes. if it gets all the way around the network or gets to <laughs> most of the network, then the chances of it not being included in a block are very, very low. And so even though it hasn't already been included in a block, you have a high degree of relative. Yeah. I mean, like, so so how secure is something like that? Is it possible to have, you know, strong confidence with zero confirmations? The confidence graph never gets to 100% because uh, there are still issues that might happen. I'm not really sure what, but if the confidence gets to 99%, that means that a proper fee was included. Pretty much all of the network has heard it by now. There's uh, no unspent inputs, and it's 99% shares that the transaction will get included in the next block. You can't ever get to 100% because there could be things like chain fork or something where your transaction gets wiped out, but it's pretty close to... Uh, 100% at that point. So this has been kind of a sticking point in the space is that it's really hard. A lot of people have trouble since there's no way to, you know, sometimes a Bitcoin block can take 20 minutes or 40 yeah. minutes. And it's sometimes very difficult to, to wait that long in a retail situation. So do you see, you know, I mean, like this is in a local trading application, mm -hmm. but it seems like this has greater implications than that potentially. Eventually we'll include it in the rest of the application as well. And yeah, I'm familiar with that because I've done trades in person. Sometimes you have to sit there awkwardly for about an hour for a block to confirm. So yeah, <laughs> Yeah, this will definitely fix that. 
Um, other really nice feature is this is um, your authentication and registration is done using private key message signing. So when you associate your Bitcoin address to your local trader account, you don't need any passwords with that. Um, you authenticate using a private key uh, and all chat between you and the user is encrypted using your respective private keys. Interesting. So uh, the only thing we will store is uh, the Bitcoin address associated with it, whatever username you choose, uh, a very coarse location to within uh, one square kilometer, and your uh, trade history for um, the feedback type stuff. So in a way, it'll be... Um, it can be as pseudonymous as Bitcoin itself. So one of the uh, kind of final sticking points here is that I noticed that you're basically, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the price before you actually meet in person. And, you know, mm -hmm. as we've seen the last couple of weeks, the price in Bitcoin can be really pretty ridiculously volatile sometimes mm -hmm. when it comes to these local deals. So do you have any way to deal with local volatility? Yeah, uh, when you before you create uh, press the accept, the seller and the buyer. I'm not sure if uh, that change might be only one of them. Can uh, hit the update price button, so it'll be able to update the price uh, constantly. And even if you hit the accept trade button, one of you can. Uh, hit the update price button to if the price changes too much mm. and it'll unaccept the price again and then you guys can continue to negotiate since we got local trader finished up it freed up the time and added resources within local traders that it will now allow us to pursue the next step which is going to be hd wallets mm. i was going to ask about that yes. yeah <clears throat> so our next big uh, feature will be HD wallets, and then after that, things like uh, being able to add descriptions to your transactions, uh, export all your transactions in a comma-separated value file. CoinJoin, too, is going to be on our steps as well. Very cool. So, you know, you know I'm looking at your product. I, like I said, I've been using it for about six months, and I don't see any monetization in it at all. <laughs> is there any plan for that? Is this just a play to be ubiquitous first? So, local trader will be our first um, huh. model for that, too. Uh, don't require you to go through local trader, but if you use our system for convenience sake, uh, we will charge 0.2% fee on top of whatever uh, the seller charges as well, both on a buy and sell. Okay, so that's a, then that's 0.2%. 0.2%. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And after that, we're also looking into adding things like um, altcoins, uh, which may end up being as plugins that you download for hmm. a little bit of extra money, merchant options and things like that. And we're looking to hire developers right now to kind of help us out with this since we're focusing more on HD wallet side of it. So your group is based out of Austria? Austria. Austria, Vienna. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, sounds like you've got some impressive features. I know that one of the other projects that Mycelium has had kind of on the back burner for a while has been this uh, wireless card. Is that still on the table at all? Uh, definitely. Our uh, hardware guys are actually in the process of evaluating some test hardware right now. They probably will get the prototypes by uh, end of spring or so. Great, terrific. So, I'm glad yeah, to see that that's making don't... progress again. Yeah. We still have no idea when it's going to be out, sadly, but um, we're all of us are really anxious to get it out. Yeah. I, I'm just glad that it's still being worked on, like I said. Oh, you know, no. <laughs> that's, that's the important part here. The main issue that turned out to be is that uh, the idea ended up being a little bit ahead of its time, so the hardware <laughs> wasn't quite out yet, but it is kind of... All the new stuff that's out right now is, will hopefully be enough to cover it. I mean, that's the thing. Just wait a couple of years, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, Rasa, anything else we need to talk about here, man? No, that's about it. Well, it was great catching up with you again, and uh, you know, we look forward to seeing your continued progress in Mycelium Wallet. So if people are interested in Mycelium Wallet, where should they go to to download it? Uh, Mycelium.com or uh, search for Mycelium on a Google App Store. And that's M-Y-C-E-L-I-U-M. Yeah, M-Y-C-E-L-I-E-O-M. Okay, great. Terrific. Thank you for your time, man. Mm -hmm. 
CryptoKit is the world's first Chrome browser Bitcoin wallet. It's the easiest, fastest Bitcoin wallet payment system. With a simple one-click install, it takes just seconds to get your wallet set up. And because CryptoKit finds the address and payment for you, there's no more fussing around or tab switching. CryptoKit is more than just a wallet. It comes with a preloaded PGP-encrypted social network, news feeds from Reddit and Google, and up-to-date charts from exchanges. Finally, CryptoKit directory allows you to make two-click payments with any of the BitPay merchants. Once you install CryptoKit, you won't need anything else. For more information or to download CryptoKit, visit CryptoKit.com. EasyDNS is the Swiss army knife for your domain names, helping meet their customers' individual needs since 1998. EasyDNS has been an outspoken critic of SOPA and CISPA. EasyDNS was an early supporter of Bitcoin, and now they are proud to sponsor this show. Do business with a company that shares your values. Get a 13% discount when you pay with Bitcoin. Go to bitcoin.easydns.com and be sure to use discount code LTB. Stephanie Murphy from Let's Talk Bitcoin. I'm here at the Inside Bitcoin's New York City conference, and I'm talking with Neil Miller and Jonathan Zavalos from Altcoin Labs. They also started the first Altcoin Meetup. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) Altcoin Labs, I want to talk about that, but first tell me about the Altcoin Meetup that you started up. Why why Altcoins? Well, generally speaking, I got into Bitcoin back in uh, 2011 as a miner, and I was just kind of like interested in it. As a miner? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not a big time miner, (laughs) nothing like that. But uh, anyways, so as the years went by, like I actually didn't hear about Litecoin until at some point last year, probably around April. And then I just got fascinated by it. And then I heard of Feathercoin and, like, you know, some of these older coins, uh, Peercoin and stuff. And I just thought it, that was much more interesting, personally, than Bitcoins themselves. Why, why were those more interesting than Bitcoin? Well, because, all right, so I'm kind of a nerd. I like Bitcoin a lot. I think the technology is amazing. But, like, it felt kind of slow-paced. I know that's crazy to say because Bitcoin's extremely fast-paced. But, like, compared to altcoins, and I felt like the communities of the uh, different altcoins were, like, coming out in different ways. And, like, um, I almost liked the uh, different attitudes, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um when we started up the meetup in Chicago, you know, it started in, you know, uh, late September. And, uh, you know, basically from there, you know, uh, in late September, you know, Dogecoin was released and it completely, you know, changed the landscape. You know, people kind of, you know, went from this very serious, you know, cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin to, you know, playful Shiba Inu, you know, meme on a, you know, on a coin. So uh, we thought, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was awesome. You know, altcoins made that possible. And had, had you been interested in Bitcoin too, Jonathan? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I first heard about Bitcoin in 2011. Uh, I became a miner, not a Bitcoin miner, but a Litecoin miner in early 2013. So, um, you know, basically the, my logic was Bitcoin is no longer GPU mineable. So the derivative is going to be the next thing that's very successful. And sure enough, Litecoin was extremely successful. Yeah, so I'm hearing a little bit of like um, you want to be involved with something from the very beginning and something that's that feels exciting and has a lot of energy surrounding it. And perhaps like Bitcoin has moved beyond that point a little bit. And so altcoins are where it's at for you guys. Is that right to say? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, the other thing about altcoins is just that truly they are really alternative. So there's different innovations happening. I think, you know, uh, Dogecoin, of course, was just kind of a joke, and it kind of blew everyone's mind, though, because you know people seriously are using it for stuff. There's actually high volumes of, of trades on it. Um, 
So, I mean, just different aspects. It draws people in, and it just seems that uh, there's a lot more questions to be answered, and I think it also makes it a little bit more fun. Bitcoin's a little intimidating, I think, to some people, and not to me in particular, you know, but <laughs> I just think that uh, some new people coming into it, it it's sort of... To, to add on to that as well, um, I feel like altcoins uh, provide a niche. You know, uh, they provide consistent innovation. Um, now, granted, you know, all these altcoins can exist. You know, there's thousands of altcoins kind of created in the market. Some of them are complete clones. But, you know, the few that are very innovative, you know, basically gain value within market cap, within community. And, um, you know, you see this kind of innovation you know, backed by, you know, doll, you know, BTCs, you know, essentially. And people gain confidence, you know, in market share and community. So. so, Jonathan, you said that you had some people show up at the altcoin meetup who were kind of like disinterested in Bitcoin, but they were really excited about Doge, for instance. Tell me more about that. It's funny because one of my very good friends, Matt, uh, you know, he kind of worked at Micro Center. He wasn't at all interested in you know, Bitcoin as much as the derivatives. But what got him very excited was, you know, Dogecoin and the community of kind of tipping. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of showed up to our meetup, you know, just because Dogecoin was kind of like this charity coin instead of Bitcoin, where kind of people are very intimidated by, you know, a lot of the political aspects and, you know, the technical aspects. Dogecoin was kind of this playful, fun thing that gave charity to different organizations, kind of tipped to each other, and, you know, they, they treated it as fun. And, you know, that opened the space for so many different kinds of people coming in. So, What altcoins got you the most excited and why, Neil? You said that you see innovation happening in altcoins, whereas it doesn't necessarily um, take place at this point within Bitcoin. Which innovations are you particularly excited about? I think what first excited me about Litecoin in general is that, like, it sort of never really occurred to me to swap out the the proof-of-work algorithm. And when I saw that something was actually doing it successfully and had created a whole new network of miners and, like, you know, basically a whole new economy, that was a really exciting idea for me. Um, I was really into Feathercoin as well. Um, I realized that, you know, that they didn't necessarily change anything or necessarily innovate, but, like, them in particular, I thought their community was just extremely exciting. So... Uh, I was definitely more involved, I think, I would say, with the Feather coin community than Litecoin in particular. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I mean, by the time Doge came out, like, it, it's, you know, now to the point where all coins are coming out, like, every day, basically. Uh, it's hard to say on any given day what the innovations are, but generally speaking, that tweaks to the algorithms, tweaks to um, uh, maybe even, like, proof of stake versus proof of work, um, you know, different small smaller innovations perhaps but i think that also bigger ones too like the ideas of encrypted blockchains or uh dark coin or um these are interesting things i don't know how they're going to pan out but i'm really curious and i'm glad that somebody's doing it so i I would actually say i'm kind of a big analyst and i always kind of look at bitcoin talk to look to the new announced you know kind of altcoin um and i I just love doing that I, i love seeing the innovation behind it um I love, for example, seeing kind of like ProtoShares, you know, now BitShares, um, kind of like, you know, digital autonomous corporation, you know, kind of proposal. Um, And another obscure coin, HunterCoin, which basically has a game built on the whole blockchain. Every move that you can actually make 
on Huntercoin is seen, you know, through the blockchain kind of building uh, as a ledger for these kind of moves that you've performed in an MMORPG. I feel like that lays the foundation for so many innovations wow. in the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and it's these really obscure coins that people just don't know about. And I feel like they're going to refine the blockchain. They're going to create their own market shares. And in the end, they're going to be worth significant value, significant within whatever niche they kind of fulfill. What do you think makes an altcoin stand out? There are just so many altcoins now. What do you think defines a successful altcoin from the ones that fail? There definitely are uh, so many. Um, I would say community is a really big one. Dogecoin taught me that. Uh, I would say that technical innovation is another. Um, just, I mean, even just the shift over to Litecoin, that was the first one. Uh, there, there's a lot of new algorithms coming out too, like the X11 and stuff like that. Um, these things are like sort of... I think that they're a big deal, but they're also somewhat incremental steps. So it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint it on any one thing. It's sort of a combination of everything, just like you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is pieced together by all kinds of different cryptographic um, uh, ideas. But like basically, everything fell into place properly, and it, the timing is right where people are actually interested in it, and it's taking off. So I, I would actually, I would agree with Neil. Um, you know, in the sense that. It really depends on the type of niche that it fulfills. Uh, it depends on, you know, I always call it market demand, right? Uh, cryptocurrencies, I think there is a market demand. Um, I would actually argue with Dogecoin, there was a market demand. I mean, you know, people probably felt like it was, you know, Bitcoin was too serious. Uh, the market was getting spammed with all these, you know, script coins um, that they didn't like and they didn't believe in. Uh, so people mined Dogecoin. I know I did, I, to be ironic and funny, you know, and sure enough, <laughs> You know, ironically and funny enough, it's now a serious kind of currency. You know, so the jokes kind of being played on, you know, not even on us. It's just, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's just I, a joke. Yeah, I, mean, well, I wouldn't even say it's just a joke. You know, it's just, you know, it's it's an evolving joke. You know, and it's it's great. I think it's awesome, and it really depends on the niche at the time. You know, so that's that's what I would say. Yeah. Cool. So, what would what goes on at an altcoin meetup? Like, what do people talk about, and do people have projects that they're working on, or sure. is it more just a social kind of event? Generally speaking, so far, it's just largely been discussion. We're trying to form a base of like sort of regular members, and we do have a fair number at this point. Um, later, actually, uh, in mid June, we're actually hoping to do an event where we can bring in uh, some of the devs or external. Um, influences sort of and basically hosts sort of a big event so I'm sure uh, we'll have to talk to you more about that later on as it gets closer and we have more details to it but yeah that's sort of we're looking towards promoting something almost like a mini conference slash workshop yeah I, I think it's the, the big thing is you know the devs you know we want to essentially put a face to the coin um, you know I think the biggest problem in the altcoin market is trust right IPO coins, right? You don't know whether or not these people are going to take your Bitcoins, honestly. Just so much funding and so many kind of changing things, it's overwhelming. So we kind of want to refine that and, you know, say, hey, this person's kind of trustworthy. They're in this market. They've built this. And this is their product. You know, this is their coin. We just want to refine that. Have you ever thought about maybe putting out or defining a set of best practices for new altcoins or um, a kind of vetting process for new altcoins to just look for red flags when they first start before people start investing in them? 
I think that that's a really interesting thing. Um, we, we definitely have our own opinions on that. We tend not to uh, publicize them, at least yet, because uh, some of the coins that we had criticisms about are actually doing pretty well, uh, at least for now, or have done better than we originally thought. Uh, for example, some coins appear to have like a strong lack of developers, which we think is a really bad thing for a coin. And then it turns out, for some reason, the community, the developers come later, you know? And I think that that's a really important thing. So really, time can only tell. And I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard to really uh, right. put out hard hard and fast guidelines, I guess. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, there's proof of stake, proof of work. There's you know IPL coins, and there's Script Coin X11, you know SHA256. You know, the landscape is constantly changing. Honestly, to put a, a set of guidelines, it's not only is it difficult, but it would just be a little bit arrogant of us to kind of you know put that out there. You know. Um, and I really think that it depends, again, on the community. It depends on uh, what the niche demand is during that moment, uh, what the market demands, the type of innovation people push forward. You know, I would actually say Dogecoin has pushed an innovation. That innovation is community. It defined a coin through donations and, you know, community and kind of being trustworthy and nice. I think that's awesome. It sounds like an exercise in open-mindedness. Would you say this has kind of expanded your boundaries are a little bit in terms of the way that you think about what a coin should be <laughs> we all know there's so many coins and like we i hear about new ones all the time and like you know sometimes my first reaction is also that these new coins that i hear about is a joke <laughs> again and if jokes sometimes work apparently so uh yeah i mean it's just definitely opened my mind like i i it's hard to take anything too seriously until some time has actually passed so it, we really just need to watch the coins the better the best that we can yeah, I, I think uh, I think one of the big advantages that I've always had in the altcoin space was that I was always open-minded. I always thought, you know, that derivatives are are going to be stronger in some way. You know, they're always going to push innovation. Working on Bitcoin, you're working on a five billion dollar project. You know, you don't want to kind of you know mess anything up. You don't want to do an extreme change. With altcoins, it gives a space to kind of experiment that has its good and bads to it, just like an open market. It's a double-edged sword, but in the altcoin space, I feel like it's a completely wonderful double-edged sword. In order for altcoins to grow and to get adopted by more people and used by more people, do you think that there are certain things that need to happen, like multi-currency wallets or it, it just infrastructure for different altcoins or anything like that? Or do you not really have that kind of agenda? Or are you just kind of getting people together and then seeing what grows out of that? Yes, I think that there's a big development problem. Um, that's not currently our focus now. We are more focused on just trying to get people uh, sort of exposed to the different altcoins and the, the landscape, and then they can sort of see where their place fits. You know, I mean, uh, I am a developer myself, but like, at least that's not where I, I've been thinking of putting my talents. Like, I look at things like multichain.net, and like, it's really neat because you can have a ton of different wallets, but then again, you can kind of do that in exchanges, and then there's the trust question. Do you trust any of these? And personally, no, I don't. So, uh, yeah, I think just basic security as a whole, even for Bitcoin, just needs to keep improving. And I think it will over time. So altcoins will benefit from any of the innovations anywhere. And Bitcoin will also benefit from any of the altcoin infrastructure developments. Not only that, I think the bigger thing is to have a completely agnostic payment processing system where you could actually send Dogecoin, Litecoin, whatever, scan this QR code, right? It would automatically be recognized by the system, just kind of compare hashes. And then, you know, it, it would accept Doge, Lite, Bitcoin, 
you know, I think that would be huge. Sure. You know, because the receiver could receive it, and and the receiver could receive it, and basically the currency of their choice too. That would be truly amazing from a usability standpoint. You know, I think true decentralization is within multiple blockchains. With multiple blockchains, there is you know more possibilities, niches that can be fulfilled. There's innovations that can be pushed forward. So tell me a little bit about Altcoin Labs, which is your company that you're both working on together. What is it? We sort of formed out of Altcoin Chicago. So we basically found that a lot of people actually that are interested in this kind of stuff. But like we also are at a point in our lives where we realize our time is sort of valuable too, and we want to teach everyone everything. And we can talk all day about anything, but um, you know we're trying to see if we can actually sort of focus and putting on things like a workshop or whatever. You know, basically costs money, and we're looking into sort of finding a way to monetize or find a balance between our education goals and. Um, I don't know, basically just trying to figure out a good, convenient way for people to learn and for us to do what we need to do in a, in a non-unending like, discussion section. You know, adding on to what Neil said, you know, uh, Altcoin Chicago does fit within a certain niche, you know, and sometimes the information can be completely overwhelming. Basically, what we want to do is kind of, you know, go back to basics. What is a miner? You know, what is the blockchain? You know, uh, how do you build a miner? You know, what, do, what does this computer do? You know, um, I feel like adoption is kind of critical in education, and I feel like that's kind of being ignored. You know, people want to kind of reach out to these companies and you know have who, who's going to be the next you know kind of payment processor, who's going to you know accept Bitcoin next. And I think the biggest thing that they're ignoring is consumer education. Who is kind of kind of back their dollars with something that's completely abstract? You know, it, it just you know I, I feel like Altcoin Labs is going to fill that niche. So have you done any of that yet, like um, educating people about how to set up miners? I think you mentioned something about that, John. Right, right. Yeah, um, actually, we do have an event um, kind of planned at Free Geek Chicago. So uh, Free Geek Chicago is a non-for-profit org uh, over in Chicago that, uh, you know, does uh, basic, you know, basically recycling. Uh, They actually, you know, take in computer parts from, you know, big corporations and they repurpose them with, like, Zubuntu and, you know, distribute them, um, you know, according to the volunteer hours that a person's kind of worked there. So it's, uh, you know, kind of an open source culture. And, um, you know, we feel like, you know, them kind of, it's the easiest kind of people to kind of talk about uh, with, you know, when it comes to, like, Bitcoin and GPU mining and, you know, kind of building a computer, you know, because, you know, these people that are there, they're kind of thirsty to kind of, you know, learn about computers, learn about Ubuntu, learn about open source systems. And, uh, you know, we feel that Altcoin Labs and, you know, presentation of blockchain and altcoins, you know, can definitely make a benefit from that. Cool. Anything else you guys want to add? Um, basically, check out our meetup. We're at uh, meetup.com slash altcoinchicago and Altcoin Labs is at altcoinlabs.com. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> people in, in 
the Bitcoin space, we're putting together uh, the, the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium. It's a nonprofit organization. It's to certify uh, people with Bitcoin knowledge so that somebody who, who says that they, uh, they know Bitcoin, uh, we, we basically prove that they actually do. We've, we've put together tests uh, for a Bitcoin Lite certification. Knowledge points that, uh, that someone with this certification would have would be they understand the blockchain, they understand why they need to wait for confirmations, they understand key management, they understand basic crypto so they know what a hash is, uh, and basically all, all the information that someone would need to know to accept Bitcoin on behalf of their company. Then there's a developer-specific uh, certification. This is um, People with this certification would be more along the lines of they know the RPC calls, they, uh, they, they can build a transaction manually, they can really get into the nitty-gritty nitty of Bitcoin. They really understand Bitcoin. Exactly. So uh, all, all the professional uh, industries out there, whether it's uh, security or it's finance or whatever, they all have professional certifications of one kind. For example, uh, myself in the security industry, I have a CISSP certification, Certified Information Systems Security Professional, as well as CISA, Certified Information Systems Auditor. Um, and these are industry-recognized certifications that say, I know enough about security that I can help your company do what you need to do. On the banking side, there there's certified accountants, things like that. But Bitcoin is so new that there really isn't a, uh, a certification body. So we've built one. The nonprofit organization is already registered, and we have uh, uh, trademark applications out there for all the, the, the first certifications that were going out of the gate. And our goal is to work with educating bodies to ensure that whatever curriculums they are making for Bitcoin or for Ethereum or for any of the cryptocurrencies, they cover the, the specific knowledge points in each of the domains of Bitcoin so that they, they can train someone to produce high-quality results. So this move towards standards and uh, voluntary standards, where it's, it's essentially an opt-in process rather than a, you know, you have to do this, otherwise you can't do this thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, th this is not the first time that I've heard of an approach like this, although you are targeting an area, you're talking about Bitcoin knowledge, whereas, you know, I've been looking at, like, insurance companies and things like that, where, I mean, like, right. there, there are these, there is this level of certification and quality control that's been really lacking in the ecosystem, and it kind of seems like organizations and efforts like what you're talking about are kind of the solution to that, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, hiring managers, when, when, when they're looking to, to bring someone on board to work on uh, whatever it is they're working on, they want to make sure that the hire that they bring in is going to produce quality results for that company. Uh, I'm sure many companies have, uh, have hired someone who says they have the knowledge on paper, but once they start to get, get working after about a month, they realize, you know, you may have had that on your resume, but you don't really know that area that well. We're, we're hoping to, to, um, to make a standard so that people who, who do have these letters after their name really do understand Bitcoin and, and can truly add, add, a, add an impact to, to the company. So one of the uh, interesting parts about Bitcoin, of course, is that unlike many standards that are out there, Bitcoin is in flux and Bitcoin is a developing thing. So uh, what do you see, you know, in two years? Is it going to be the same program? Will there be additional programs of certification that layer on top? Uh, absolutely, it will not be the same program. Uh, just like the, uh, uh, the certified accountants and the certified security professionals, uh, these fields are, are changing all the time. There are new technologies coming out. There are new tweaks. There are new problems, new vulnerabilities, new new things that we all need to worry about. So over time, the curriculum will be adapted to take advantage of uh, new new progress, new new software, um, and and anything else that, that comes along the way. Uh, there will be committees uh, within the within C4 that will be dedicated to updating the curriculum for, for the certified Bitcoin professionals certification or for the Certified Bitcoin Technical Expert certification. Through these committees' work, uh, alongside all uh, existing industry experts, we envision a, a, an always updated uh, curriculum um, that will ensure that people understand the latest and greatest about Bitcoin. 
do you think that there is any differentiation between ge- geography? I mean, like, is, is the program different in China than it is in, or, you know, for someone in China than it is for someone in the United States? I mean, are you planning on servicing the international community with this product immediately, or are you focusing on specific areas? Uh, it'll be global off the bat. Although the organization was, was first formed in Canada, it is going to be a global nonprofit organization. Um, what C4 would, uh, would do is, is list the knowledge points. You need to know uh, about this for key management. You need to know about this for privacy. Uh, uh, like, why do you use different change addresses and, th- and things like that. Um, once all the knowledge points are, cr- are created, uh, this common body of knowledge it can be made available to educating bodies in, in schools, universities, so that they can build their own curriculums that teach each of these knowledge points so that they, they, they can cover all of the, uh, the aspects of Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. Interesting. So this is not something that you plan on administering specifically with this organization. This is something more where you plan on helping other people teach these things and then certifying their efforts? Absolutely, yes. Okay, great. Uh, what haven't I asked that I should ask? Because I feel like there's probably something I've missed. I wasn't actually expecting for uh, C4 to you know, be on your show yet or, or, or to be uh, public knowledge at the moment. Um, after this conference, that's when we're really going to be getting into gear. You know, so it's a couple of weeks out when we're talking now, and we're talking right before the Bitcoin Decentral event, rather, right before the uh, Bitcoin Toronto event. So... What is the time frame on this? What is the rollout? How long do you think it'll take for us to see the first you know, certified individuals? Our, our committee is, is already um, working to, to build the tests. We have a few hundred questions already, already made, and, and we have the, the knowledge domains already separated. Uh, it's just a matter of giving these tests to existing industry experts so we can get their feedback um, to make sure that these tests truly do separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, it's, it's one thing to say that, uh, oh, I'll ask you a question about Bitcoin, but it's another thing when, uh, when industry experts look at it and say, yes, this really would show that someone understands Bitcoin. By the summer this year, uh, surely by, by June, people will be able to, to write the tests uh, online. For the larger tests, uh, it will have to be proctored with, uh, in, in, in person just to make sure you're not you know, cheating or whatever. For, for the larger certifications, they have a, a very um, in-depth level of knowledge. So it needs to be you know, at, at your fingertips when you, when, when you talk about it. Michael, thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thank you. This is Stephen Levine, CFO of Let's Talk Bitcoin. As someone who pays bills with Bitcoin, I find it immensely satisfying that I can pay our designer in Canada quickly and easily. A couple of button clicks and Bitcoin moves over miles and borders, unfettered by overbearing bureaucracy. It is our goal here at Let's Talk Bitcoin to create structures that allow Bitcoin and all of its descendants to thrive and grow into the safe, free, and fair invention that Satoshi wrote about. In my spare time, I'm also the president of Bitcoin Packaging. Bitcoinpackaging.com makes it easy to use your currency of choice to purchase mundane products. We empower you to change the financial world by spending your Bitcoin. When you buy a product from Bitcoinpackaging.com with Bitcoin, we will send you a 10% rebate off of the already low prices. Bitcoinpackaging.com is a virtual company. We have no warehouse, trucks, or salespeople. Come to our store, take a look around, spend some Bitcoin, and tell your friends. Bitcoinpackaging.com This is Stephanie for Let's Talk Bitcoin, and I am here talking with a very special friend, 
We've got Mark Edge here from Free Talk Live. Hi, Mark. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin. You don't have to get quite as close to the microphone as you do on Free Talk Live. That's right. We, you're e- looking for an excuse to stand closer. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, co-host, Ian, is a stickler on mic etiquette. So, uh, yeah, I have to be very close. Yes, indeed. And uh, this is because you are a professional talk radio host. You host the show Free Talk Live. And I am actually a part of Free Talk Live. We, You and I... Uh, have been doing the Sunday Free Talk Live show for three years, going on three years now. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually were doing the Sunday show before I was doing the Sunday show. The Sunday show existed for, I think, maybe a year and a half before that as an online only thing. So um, when we decided to swipe the the Sunday show that had been sort of created by some, you know, just other activists in in the area, um, I took you along. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I went along for the ride because it's been really fun. Yeah. And um, uh, Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated show. Like we said, it's been on the air for 10 years, over 10 years. Yep, actually. we're on 140 radio stations around the country. Mm-hmm. And you also have a popular podcast, and uh, website is freetalklive.com if anyone wants to check that out. That's right, and we do a open lines, current events program that has a liberty theme to it. Yeah, that's that's the thing about Free Talk Live. People can call in about anything. It's primarily a call-in show. Yeah, and we happen to have been, we happen to have talked about Bitcoins before Anybody, I think, just about out there. Um, Well, that's the reason I wanted to have you on Let's Talk Bitcoin, because Free Talk Live is the way that I first found out about Bitcoins. And you and your partner, Ian, there, have... uh, You were the first you know, talk radio show to talk about Bitcoin. And right. you really exposed a lot of people to it. Well, what happened was um, we have this program. It's called the Amplifier Program. People pay $5 a month to get a uh, an ad-free version of Free Talk Live. And we're happy to provide that. And, you know, there's a few, there's hundreds of those people. And if an ampl- Amplifiers get special treatment, I mean, these are special people. They're, they're paying us, for goodness sake. And so um, one of the Amplifiers said that he wanted to have a meeting to talk about an alternative currency. Now, we talked about alternative currencies a lot, and there are always failures. It's always this disaster or that disaster prior to us hearing about Bitcoin. So this guy wants to talk to us about Bitcoins. He wants to have lunch, and this doesn't happen too often. That Somebody's like, well, let's have lunch. All right, you want to drive up to Keene, New Hampshire, we'll have lunch with you and talk about your uh, magic internet money. And <laughs> so... I, this guy comes up. His name's Gavin Andreessen. Now, for those who know anything about Bitcoin, this is the head developer of Bitcoin. I think that he may have uh, stepped, in, stepped down from that role a little bit um, recently, but I don't know for sure. Anyway, Gavin Andreessen wants to have lunch and talk about his magic internet money. And in the conversation, I begin to understand the value of Bitcoin. But I'm skeptical because everything's failed up to this point. You know, there's a gold credit card and you can spend gold like you're spending cash. And, oh, yeah. If, and if you've been a libertarian for a while, you've seen it all. E-gold, you know, the whole people trying to use silver to buy a sandwich at Porkfest, the whole shtick. Yes, exactly. And that's what. And it's always complicated and convoluted. But I support alternative currencies 100%. And so, um, you know, I, I listen to him and I tell him, uh, well, I'll tell you what. We have a podcast audience, large podcast audience, that uh, would probably be interested in this. If you want to do some ads, I'll sell you some podcast ads, low price for your magic internet money. And he actually never took me up on this. low, low price of 10,000 bitcoins per spot, right? (laughs) Well, they were 27 cents a piece. Now, Uh he didn't didn't take me up on the offer Uh to buy um, podcast ads at the time. He did, however, um, ask me to pay for his lunch, and then he would pay me back in bitcoins. So I got, I think, um, somewhere like 36, 40 bitcoins for his meal. Um, So that's a pretty good meal now at uh, bitcoins at 500 bucks or Uh whatever it's at. Um, So, you know, nice numbers. And... 
what we talked about it on air. We, you know, we that's our job. We we like internet alternative currencies, and obviously we have a tech savvy audience. And one of our listeners, who's also an advertiser, who's also an amplifier, one of these guys, um, his name's Roger Veer. Now, if you know anything about the Bitcoin sphere, you know that this is Bitcoin Jesus. <laughs> he hears about Bitcoin that night gets really excited, um, starts researching, and a few months later, Bitcoin Jesus um, says to me that essentially, hey, you know that uh, cash that I pay you on a monthly basis for advertising? That's going to turn into Bitcoins. And now Roger Veer's the nicest person you're ever going to meet, but he turned into a gangster that moment, right? And like, you know, this is, this, hey, this is what's going to happen, right? And um, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, okay. I was a little... I was a little unsure this was going to be a hit in advertising dollars, but thank goodness he did it. He uh, eased us in. You know, it was a little bit, um, you know, par- a partial and then the full thing uh, maybe a year later. But that was very good for us, obviously. And if he's Bitcoin Jesus, that makes me Bitcoin John the Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't believe I have Bitcoin John the Baptist on, Indeed. on the show with yep. me. My head will be served up on a platter at some time in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> Once the Fed is actually dying in its death throes, that's when they'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, the beginning of a, a long relationship of Free Talk Live with Bitcoin. And now from my perspective, I've been listening to Free Talk Live for, well, I think I've been listening to Free Talk Live since about 2004 or 2005. Yeah, you've been listening forever. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> and I became a part of the show back in uh, maybe 2010, something like that. Oh, I think as, it was earlier than that. But... Just as like an internet host and a fill-in host sometimes. Okay as I was starting out in my sort of podcasting career. And so I was listening to the show daily, and I heard you talking about Bitcoins. And for a while, I was like, hmm, this sounds really interesting, but, you know, I'm not really sure about this, I I guess, you know. They were hard to get back then, too. It wasn't easy to get Bitcoins. Exactly. I was thinking about, uh, well, maybe I should get some Bitcoins, but then, like, you had to go on Mt. Gox, and you had to, like, send them money, and... Right. They wanted your, um, they they wanted a a power bill from your house. They wanted, you know, all all kinds of, you know, photocopy your your ID and send it to us. Are you kidding me? I don't know what happens when you do that. (laughs) You know, like, I, but I, you know, so I didn't, I'd, I'd never exchanged that way on Mt. Gox, and I guess it's good that I, you know, stayed away from from Mt. Gox mostly. Yeah, that might have been smart. Uh, <laughs> but at the time, there were a lot of people who, you know, because we're part of the uh, libertarian community. We, yep. live, we live in New Hampshire, and there are a lot of people who uh, moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project in our social circles. Right. And, you know, libertarians love to blog. They love to have podcasts, and they love to do creative things. And so there were lots of people at the time um, back, you know, back in our, our 2011, I want to say, yeah. who had podcasts and blogs and stores and online businesses, and they were starting to take Bitcoins for tips. Well, Bitcoin, um, yeah, and in New Hampshire, Bitcoins are really quite, it's quite big, yeah. um, you know, in, in, at least in the communities that I, the circles that I run in. As a matter of fact, when we saw, um, when Overstock.com uh, switched to Bitcoins, New Hampshire was the number one place in, in the United States, at least on a map I saw, yep. that sent um, Bitcoins in. And, it, and it's in indicative um, of how, you know, there's there's a lot of lineage of Bitcoin going on in New Hampshire. So, for instance, I, back in, I think, 2011, bought a sandwich with a Casatius coin, one of the, um, the the ones that had the bad minting on it. Oh, you mean the ones that are worth, like, $20,000 on eBay? Yeah, that, that, those things. I bought one, <laughs> um, a, a sandwich with one of those, and got some change <laughs> um, from, uh, you know, Mandrake, uh, George's famous baklava. Yeah. And this is how the community works. I buy and sell. I People work for me all summer long 
long cutting wood and moving wood at my on my farm mm-hmm. for bitcoins. Yes. I never paid them cash. Yeah. There are people we're buying, we're selling in bitcoins. Um, and but we were doing this in 2011 yeah. and 2012. Well, this was more than two years ago. And, and you know, we're at this Bitcoin conference right now. We're at the Inside Bitcoins conference in New York. But this is what I want people to get is that there was a vibrant, real Bitcoin economy in New Hampshire among free staters yep. when Bitcoins were, you know, 27 cents to, right. to six to t- below $10. All you could do with them at the time on the Internet was basically buy alapaca socks, um, and some baklava, uh, yeah. Yeah, some chickens, baklava and uh, <laughs> web hosting services. That's all you could do with them there. Yeah. But we were using them and exchanging them because they were viable at that point. Yeah. I was using Bitcoin Spinner, which I don't even know if that thing exists anymore. Oh, Oh gosh, me too. Yeah, yeah, I remember Bitcoin Spinner. You didn't want to lose your phone there. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the Bitcoins would be on the phone, and I, yeah, I mean, Roger Veer was uh, showing people how to download Bitcoin Spinner at the port Remember Porcupine. the QT client? We'd get download the Bitcoin QT client, and it took, even then, it took forever to download the blockchain. Ah, oh, memories. I right? still keep the QT client going on a computer. I somehow yeah. feel like I'm helping the interwebs. I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> it's a little faith based. <laughs> well, I do it too, because it runs uh, Armory. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to run Armory. Armory has a layover for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And they're here right down the, 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 the way there. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, these were the days, right? And we were using Casacious coins. We were using Bitcoin Spinner, like yep. you said, the Bitcoin QT client. People were just pasting up, you know, Bitcoin addresses on their blogs and getting tips. Yeah. And they were getting five Bitcoin, ten Bitcoin tips, you know? Yeah, Free Talk Live's gotten rather, um, you know, back in the day, rather large Bitcoin tips. And, yeah. um, you know, there it was, just sitting there, just getting, collecting tips, and people were sending them in. We had another friend who was doing, like, um, cam work, basically, for Bitcoin, and there were people, you know, posting pictures of themselves online to get Bitcoins, right? I'd do that if anyone would pay, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's just not going to help you out. You'd have to get them to pay you to stop, to put your clothes back on. Right, things like that. <laughs> you know, the the clientele that would be paying me wouldn't be necessarily the one that I'd be wanting to pay me. It's really <laughs> difficult to get like young, beautiful women to pay you to take your clothes off. Just not going to happen. Well, you, that's why you just have to pretend. <laughs> right, you just pretend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work out. Yeah, but I mean, just the things that people were doing with Bitcoin um, back several years ago at this point, when I look back on them now, I feel really honored to have been a part of that beginning uh, of right. of, how, of the practical use cases for Bitcoin yeah, I in think New Hampshire, we're we're that little um, we're the little seed pot mm. for uh, Bitcoins, and, and now it's well outgrown the seed pot. And I'm delighted. Mm-hmm. I, all I ever wanted was for Bitcoin to make, go mainstream. I mean, I get the tur- T-shirt. I don't, you know, I can I can say yeah, yeah, yeah. I did every, whatever in 2011, and <laughs> it's cool. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I want it to go huge I, because it's so empowering. It's going to help people around the world. The people who don't have money today, it it it, it resets the playing field from. 9,000 years of totalitarian statism. And that's what I want to see happen. And that's going to be an, a tremendous thing that Bitcoin can do. It's going to help um, underserved markets, uh, poor, uh, poor people, people of ethnicities, people in third world countries, uh, women, uh, you know, all the people that have a difficult time accessing bank accounts. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin's going to make that entirely different for them. They're going to be on an even playing field. They're going to be able to apply their labor and drag themselves out of the mire rather than taking handouts as they've been doing up till now. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you just personally are interested in micro lending. You, mm. You're the one who told me about Kiva. Right, I love Kiva. Yeah, me too. And I we 
you and I both lend on Kiva. And how amazing would it be if they started taking bitcoins, or if there was a you know a competing institution that came up? Like That's what I'm expecting Bit because Kiva it's so. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not expecting the big players to necessarily switch over. I'm expecting other institutions to come up, rise up because Bitcoin's exciting to them. And the people in the Bitcoin sphere, there's hundreds and hundreds of people at these events. Sometimes thousands of people at these events, and every one of these people is excited and doing something. Yeah. And you know, you're talking Everybody's to some. Got a project. Yeah, some young college kids, and you know, this is what I want to do. And you're like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. But it takes people that, that, that fail to make for people to be have, be, have success. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So I mean, I'm just I'm thrilled with what's going on with bitcoins. Yeah, totally. And so I just, um, Mark, I want to thank you for introducing me to Bitcoin. <laughs> you're <first>. welcome. <laughs> and those stories are just so cool. You yeah. know, uh, one of the ones that I I like to tell, and I think this has been on the show before, but. Um, is when Gavin actually said he purchased like 10,000 bitcoins for like 50 bucks mm. and he was running the bitcoin faucet. Yes. This was back years and years ago and you could go to this website and get five bitcoins as long as you put in a bitcoin address. Yep, that's right. And can you imagine right. if people held on to them? Some people did. Some I know I went to the faucet and I got, I don't know what I got, it seemed like it was less than five bitcoins, but I went to the, that faucet and I got some bitcoins and, um, you know, I funded my account, I put it in my uh, mybitcoinwallet.com account mm-hmm. and it summarily a few months later got hacked. Oh, yeah, my Bitcoin. I remember that. Yep. Was it my Bitcoin that's, wallet? That's when uh, we all learned the painful lesson of don't don't keep your Bitcoins in third-party web wallets. Yeah, thank goodness yeah. that we learned that, um, yeah. that, that, that lesson because now other people don't have to learn that lesson. Every bump in the road, we're going to have to get, you know, the carriage is going to have to get jostled yeah. and we have to, to learn these things. Yeah, absolutely. So Free Talk Live is on seven nights a week. You, Mark, are on six nights a week. That's so right. There's kind of a, a, a rotating schedule of hosts. You and Ian are both on six nights per week. Right. And most of them overlap, but one night doesn't overlap. And so on Sunday night, you are on. Ian is not on. That's correct. And I am on with you. That's correct. You were yeah. my co-host on that, that evening. <laughs> that, yeah. that may have been a little more confusing than it needed to You're be. You're my Sunday show uh, yeah. co-host. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there we go. So you can hear Mark and I together on the radio on uh, freetalklive.com. You can listen on the internet or you can uh, check the local radio affiliates there. Um, and, and we talk about ev- anything and everything on Free Talk Live. And Bitcoins are a frequent, are still a frequent yes. uh, topic of conversation on oh, I, I'm Free Talk Live. I'm delighted about Bitcoins. I think it's going to change the world. Yes, me too. So we'll get a little cross-pollination going. And uh, Mark, thank you so much for being on Let's Talk Bitcoin with me. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for listening to episode 108 of Let's Talk Bitcoin. Content for this episode is provided by Farsha, Roya, Rasa, Neil, Jonathan, Michael, Mark, Stephanie, and Adam. This episode was edited by Denise Levine with additional edits by Adam B. Levine. Music for this episode was provided by Jared Rubens and General Fuzz. Any questions or comments? Email adam at letstalkbitcoin.com. Have a good one.